0: If you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12, and if you'll do that. We we have been walking through this series on the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, We're in week number seven. We'll have one or possibly two more weeks in this series. But but the last several weeks, most of the time we've spent, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit, particularly the supernatural manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, as uh, listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And last week we finished that. All of those are now uploaded and you can can listen to those anytime you want to if you've missed any of those uh, from our website. But we finished with all those last week. And tonight we're going to begin looking at Romans chapter 12. And and we're, we're going to, as I mentioned last week, we're going to spend some time on this. There's another area and we'll mention it tonight in Ephesians 4 where there's some gifts that are listed there. But we're not going to really take any time on that because it's a whole different uh, type of gift. It's more of a calling, uh, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight. But, but we're going to be looking at the gifts in Romans chapter 12 together tonight. So let's read from Romans chapter 12. We're going to pick it up in verse 3. It says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. uh, giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, as we read this, there there are some really strong indicators here in uh, in this passage that that it tells us that that God has given to each person a predominant gift, and we're going to be referring to those as motivational gifts. And you'll understand a little bit more later why we're calling them that. But the this, this motivational gift that God gives to every believer dictates how each person eventually uh, seeks to function in the body of Christ. Now, I know when I say that, you're like, okay, what does that mean? But you'll understand it a little more clearly as we as we go on. And, and we're told in Romans uh, 12, 3, that every person should know their place in the body. Everybody Anybody ever tell you, 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 you need to be put in your place? Well, it's true, but not in the way they meant it. Uh, You need to know where you fit in the body. He said in verse 3, we'll read it again, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. He's saying, listen, you need to know who you are. You, You need to understand who you are in Christ who you are in the body, because he goes on and he uses illustration of the human body and having different parts. So he's saying, you need to understand who you are. Don't, don't, if you're the foot, don't go around thinking you're the head. You've got to understand who you are and how you fit in. And, And then after stating that, then he lists seven different gifts, or we'll say it's seven different ways that people express themselves through the body of Christ. And The seven gifts listed in verses six through eight show some of the various ways that members of Christ's body are are motivated to function. That's why we're calling them motivational gifts. Now, 1 Peter 4.10, Peter says this. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So, Peter is telling us there, he's reaffirming what we were just saying. He tells us that every person has received a gift. He's saying, use whatever gift you have received. He's assuming that you have received some sort of gifting from God and that we should use those gift or gifts to serve other people. Now, as we begin to look at what we're, what we're going to be calling the motivational gifts, I want to remind you of the various gifts mentioned in the Bible and so we can situate what we're talking about tonight uh, among the other gifts, and we'll understand how it all fits together. Uh, first of all, we, we, you know, we've spent time, we're not going to take a lot much time tonight, but we've spent time talking about the supernatural gifts of the Spirit. That's in 1 Corinthians 12, and there we see the gifts of the Spirit that are the, the spontaneous supernatural expressions of the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, Paul uses a Greek word, pneumaticon, which it's is normally translated spiritual gifts, and, and it has the connotation of being supernatural. So from that, we understand that these gifts are supernatural manifestations of the working of the Holy Spirit through follow, the, the different various followers of Jesus. And these gifts, as we've talked about in the previous weeks, take place spontaneously through various members of the body of christ as the spirit sees fit so in other words it's not something you plan out you don't go into a meeting with somebody and say you know what i'm going to go in there and i'm going to give a, a word of wisdom no it's not something you plan out it's something that the holy spirit says i know what needs to happen i see the situation i've got my follower i've got this this person this christian in this situation i'm going to flow through them and manifest my power through them, through X, whatever gift it is. So whether a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, or gift of healing, or whatever it might be. And so that's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Then Ephesians 4, which we're not going to take much time on, uh, we, we find what, we, what I, we'll call those the support gifts. In other words, these are gifts of leadership given to the church to support the growth, maturity, and ministry of every person in the body of Christ. This is where it says that, that Christ gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, teachers, some to be evangelists, and he gives us this list. And, and, and here in this list, the emphasis is not on, it's not talking about a supernatural, spontaneous expression of the Holy Spirit. So it's very different than the other list because these, these, these it's really a list of, of the gifts of leadership that support and equip the church. You know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Um, now, they're, they're not individual supernatural manifestations that are given through various individuals that are given to meet a particular need. It's not like somebody walks in and they say, well, this church needs a pastor. So God says, well, I'll give you the gift of pastoring for, for while you're there and then you don't have it anymore. So, so it's very different than the other. The, the the gifts mentioned in Ephesians four are not momentary gifts, such as would be the case, for example, for the like a word of wisdom or a gift of healing. But these gifts are are more permanent of a more permanent nature, referring to the lifelong ministry of an individual. For example, using an example of what I'm talking about there, I have a calling as a pastor, and I'm a pastor slash teacher. That's what I'm called to do in the church. And that's a support gift that God has given. And, 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 you know, I don't wake up in the morning and wonder, God, are you going to use me today with the gift of pastoring? It, it's not something that comes on me. It's a calling that he has on my life. And so uh, it, it, he gives individuals to the church to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, or pastor. I, and I usually actually do pastor slash teacher because they are very closely related. And he commissions them to continually equip the saints for the work of ministry. You can read that in Ephesians 4. Now, And these gifts are different. Because these, the uh, gifts of the Spirit is talking about the gifts given to individual believers. These gifts really are gifts given to the church as a whole uh, to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So, so he says, to a church. He says, I'm going to give you the gift of a pastor to help you grow. So in a very real sense, at the risk of sounding egotistical, I, as a pastor, am a, am God, I am God's gift to you as the church. And I don't mean that in this, you know, sound so egotistical, you know, my head could get real big and everything with that. But But the point is, is that is that he, God knows that in order for you to grow to become all that He wants you to be, He needs to put someone who has this support gift, a pastor-teacher, into your life to help you grow. That's, that's the whole point of it. And that brings us to Romans chapter 12, where we're talking about the motivational gifts. And the key word in Romans 12 seems to be function. And the Greek word that's used is a a Greek word, it's it's praxis. And it literally means a person's ongoing business or function. That's why we say that. So in in the term, therefore, in this case, seems to speak of our ongoing work or function in the body of Christ. So in in verses 4 and 5, Paul compares the body of Christ uh, to the human body. And he points out that even though there is unity in the body, you know, I have one body, you know, uh, that's, that's all i got. And, uh, and sometimes I think, Lord, can I get a trade in? You know, what I mean? anybody felt like that, you know? Uh, but, but this is the one body I've got. And, and, uh, and but, but in the unity of this one body, there's also a diversity of functions. In this body, I, I have eyes so that I can see, but it's still part of my body. I have hands so that I can feel. I have a nose so that I can smell. I have a I have a, a mouth and taste buds so that I can taste. Thank God for that part of it. I love that. And I love the smell part when it's when it's baking bread, but not so much with some other things. But 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 the whole point is Paul says that the body of Christ is like that. We're we're one body, but we have a diversity of functions within the body. And and each member has his or her own different approach to ministry. That's really what is is really key to understanding the motivational gifts. This is more about your approach to ministry, how you see ministry, kind of even how you see the world. uh, And and it's based on the particular motivational gift each person has received. And uh, now verse six says that we have different gifts according to the grace given in each of us. In other words, the Holy Spirit graciously gives to each individual believer a gift that motivates them to function in a particular fashion in the body of Christ. So in summary, and we're going to talk more about the last one, but the gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 emphasize how the Holy Spirit spontaneously ministers with supernatural manifestations through various members of the body of Christ at a specific moment, at a specific time for a specific purpose. And then the gifts in Ephesians 4 emphasize God's calling upon certain individuals for the special work of giving life support to the body and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And then finally, the gifts in Romans 12 emphasize how the various members in the body of Christ tend to function or approach their ministry in the body of Christ. Now, before we go any further, I want to give you you one more point of clarification regarding the, the different types of gifts, because because they are different types of gifts, uh, however they use similar language, it can get really confusing. So I want to give you something to, to make give, give it a, a little bit more clarification. So we've already mentioned that that the uh, the distinction that, that Scripture makes between the, the types of gifts in Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, and Romans 12. And, and although we mentioned that, we've got to understand that the that although there are similar words that are used, they're not used necessarily in the same way or to indicate any relationship between the different types of gifts. Now, I know you're saying, what in the world does that sentence mean? I'll explain what I mean. Here's an example. A person may have the support gift from Ephesians 4 of, of pastor, teacher in the body, but they might have the motivational gift of exhortation or encouragement and so a person like that will be motivated to build up to encourage to exhort other people constantly through the role given to them as pastor teacher so they're they they work together but they're but they're different uh, a person may have a motivational gift of teaching But that does not mean that they will necessarily hold a a full-time position as pastor-teacher. They will, and you'll understand this a little more later next week, particularly when we get into the details of the the attributes of these different gifts. They will, however, always approach their ministry analytically, and they're going to pay close attention to detail because that's what the person of the gift of teaching does. Um, Now, here's here's one that gets real confusing because... Uh, the, the, either prophet or prophecy is listed in all three of them. But the person who has the motivational gift of prophecy or, or the gift of prophet, depending on how you say it, which really means intuitive understanding, we'll explain that more next week. But that person will not necessarily be chosen by the Spirit to be used supernaturally in a gift of a word of prophecy. See, there, one is a motivation for ministry, one is a spontaneous gift, uh, of the Holy Spirit. And by the same token, the, the individual with the motivational gift of prophecy does not, it does not mean that he is necessarily uh, uh, filling the position of a prophet in the body of Christ. They're, they're similar words used different ways, and they can work together, but they're not the same thing. That's why I just want to say that right before we get started, because especially when we get to uh, the, the the motivational gift of prophecy or gift of prophet, however you want to phrase it. It can get real confusing if you don't understand we're talking about different ideas. One is a spontaneous supernatural gift. One is a, an office, a support office of leadership in the church. And one is uh, something inside of you that motivates you and causes you to think of and approach ministry in a certain way. Okay. So. Why is it important to understand the motivational gifts in Romans 12? Well, first of all, and, uh, and you'll understand these as we, more clearly as we go forward, learning about these motivational gifts helps us to understand how the body of Christ functions. Listen, in order to meet every need in the body of Christ and every need in the world, Christ motivates committed individuals in the body of Christ to express themselves predominantly in one of these seven areas. Now, I'll say this, and I'll mention this again later as well. When Jesus walked this earth, He had all seven motivational gifts working through Him. He could function in every one of them at any time. He had all of them. Therefore, He was and still is all things to all people right now however he's not walking the face of these, this earth instead he distributes these gifts that he owns among the members of his body when he walked on this earth in his physical body he had all seven now he walks on this earth through his through us his the body of christ and the body of christ has all seven but not every not not one person has all of them We all have all of them together, collectively. Does that make sense? So the church, which is his body on earth today, with its variously gifted members, now now we become together all things to all men. We, in the same way that Christ could minister to all men when he walked this earth, now as the body of Christ under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we can minister and touch every person, doesn't matter who they are, what their background is, what their need is. We have the people in the body of Christ to be able to touch them and make a difference in their lives. So that's the first thing. Second of all, uh, why, should we, why, why is it important? Second, a study of the motivational gifts helps us discover our own predominant characteristics. You know, so this study is going to help direct us When we begin to understand what our gift is, individually, then that will help direct you or in me into appropriate areas of ministry where we will find the greatest joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment. And uh, we'll talk more about that later. Third, uh, learning about how the motivational gifts work within the body of Christ helps us to understand and appreciate others who think differently than we do. See, here's here's the problem. We we often get caught up in uh, gift transference, if we call it that way. Because we have whatever gifting God has given to us, whatever motivation He's given to us, we see the world and we see the needs around us in a certain way, and we're wired in such a way to respond in a specific way. And when other people don't respond the way that we respond, then we often, it's easy for us to look at them and say, why don't they do this? Well, it's because they have a different gift than you. They see the need differently. They're approaching the need in a whole different direction. And so if we understand that we all have different giftings and we, are, and we see things differently, we approach ministry differently, then instead of complaining and judging the other person, we can appreciate that God is using them in a different way, maybe meeting the very same need. So that's important. Um, fourth, whatever our gift may be, Paul instructs us, in essence, to apply the measure of faith God gives us to help us function. Now, Christ desires the, the, the gift that He has given to us to have its fullest expression. Uh, and here, here's, the, here's the part we talked a little bit about this concept before, but He wants its, the fullest expression of that gift through our personalities through our abilities through our 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 education through our experiences uh, god has has given every man a measure of faith to function uniquely for him And, and 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 basically as i've said before he moves through us as us all of those things your personality your experiences your education Uh, your abilities, all of those things are going to influence how you approach a ministry opportunity. And and, uh, and, and so that's important. So uh, God has given every man a measure of faith to function uniquely for him. If if we don't know who we are and we don't know what our gift is, then it's very doubtful that we can effectively exercise the measure of faith that the Holy Spirit has given to us to fulfill our ministry. Uh, and, And let me tell you something when it comes to this area, there are, there are people who are functioning in areas of ministry where they simply don't belong because they haven't discovered who they are in Christ and, and, and they haven't discovered how He has uniquely gifted them for service in the body of Christ and in the world. And so, you know, I mean, think about this. I mean, we'll use one that's not really a motivational gift, but I think it's an illustration that we can all understand. Uh, if someone... Have you ever known anybody that just can't carry a tune in a bucket? I have had friends like that. I had some friends when I was in high school uh, that when I got saved, they got saved, and they'd come to church, and one would be on one side, the other would be on the other side, and they could not carry a tune. They, I mean, listen, if, if, if somebody held a gun to their head and said, you, you sing this melody, they're dying. That's just all there is to it. Now if that person says i want to sing for jesus and they just keep chasing that and they won't let go of that but they're not gifted to do that they're not really gonna they're not really gonna see any fruit out of that ministry are they because they're trying to be used in an area where god hasn't gifted them because that's what they want and, the, and, and when we learn how He has gifted us, then we can go into the area of ministry He has called us to, and that's where we're going to find the greatest joy. They're, they're thinking, if I can be up in front of people, that's going to be a lot, really fulfilling moment for me. But then they discover it's not, because it doesn't have the effect on the people's lives that they expect. Another example would be, um, uh, we'll talk more about this later, but... Uh, one of those gifts is a gift of service, or a gift of ser- being a servant. And uh, I'll tell you this, people who have the gift of serving do not, ha- are, are, generally speaking, they are very weak in the gift of administration or leader- leadership. Here's why. Here's why. Because the person with the gift of serving says, I'm going to serve, and because these other people have things that are more important and so I'll just do it. I'll take care of these things. So the problem is when it comes time to be an administrator, they think nobody else should have to do this. So they end up trying to do it, do it all. And so if you have somebody who's a servant and you put them in charge of a ministry that needs administration, you're putting them in a ministry position that will bring them frustration and will cause the ministry to fail. So it's really important that we understand this. Let's move on. Number five, an, under, an understanding of the motivational gifts can be extremely helpful. This is really related to this. To the, it can be really helpful to the local church in the task of placing individuals in the ministry. So if I know that you're, you have the gift of serving, I should not put you in a position where I come to you and say, listen, will you... Uh, take care of scheduling, whatever, doesn't matter what it is, or, or I'll use it. I'll probably tell the story again another time. Julie's mom is a classic servant. She has that gift. And one time they put her in charge of the church potluck. Well, you know what? You know what she did? Well, you know, everybody's so busy. She cooked everything, (laughs) everything. She did the whole church potluck herself. Be, and so, see, if I know that that person has that gift, then I should never put her in a position that because it's going to be very difficult for them to, to ask somebody else to do something, not because they don't believe they can do it, but but because they believe they have more important things to do. So, anyway, so, so understanding motivational gifts and understanding the individual's motivational gifts, then it helps us to be able to put people in areas of ministry where they'll be effective and be uh, fulfilled. So let's answer this next question. The next question is, what is a motivational gift? Let's talk about this a little bit. When a person comes to Christ, God chooses to motivate them in certain ways. He wires them in a certain way, where they see the world a certain way, they, and He knows the predominant characteristics of each person, and then He sets them apart to be used according to how He has made them. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we all love that the passage. That's where it talks about how we are saved uh, by grace through, through faith. Uh, and he, he goes on, and we love that passage. It's beautiful. It's powerful. But we often leave off verse 10 but, because verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, which that's a word that means masterpiece. It, it, it actually even can be, you, that word can be translated uh, Uh, poem or poetry so he's saying you know you are God's poetry written for this world you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus now verse 8 and 9 said you weren't saved by works but then verse 10 says you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works and this is the great part which God prepared in advance for us to do all right you know what that tells me first of all Paul says that we're not saved by our works, but we were saved for a purpose. We were saved to do something. We were saved to do good works. That's ministry. We use that word. That's all that means. And he also tells us that God has prepared the ministry that he has planned out for us in advance. In other words, is is you are being knit together in your mother's womb. He already knows the calling he wants to put in your life. He already knows the ministry he has for you. And so as he does that, he begins to knit together the personality that you need to do that, the gifts that you need to do that, all of these things. And, And so in other words, God, knowing the ministry for which you were created, the ministry he created you for, he gives you the gifts needed to accomplish that ministry. I mean, doesn't that just make sense that a God of order would do it that way? So to be effectively used of God, a person should discover the predominant motivational gift in their life. And and that motivational gift relates to how God chooses to use us, uh, use an individual in any one of numerous avenues of ministry. So, and I want to say this, and we'll get more into it in another time, but, you know, gift of serving for example, I keep using that one, and that's one of the easiest ones to spot in people because the gift, person with the gift of serving is a person that when you walk into their house, they cannot sit down until they get you a, a cup of water or a drink or a cookie or something. You know, you know that person that when you walk into their house, can I get you something to eat? No, I'm not hungry. Oh, what, how about pie? No, I'm not hungry. Well, how about cake? No, I'm, you just may as well just take something, <laughs> right? Uh, but, uh, but that person with the gift of serving can function that way, they might be working in the nursery and they're going to serve there. They might be working in the food pantry, they're going to serve there. They might be working in greeter's ministry, they're going to serve there. So, so it doesn't mean that they're tied to a specific ministry, but how whatever ministry they're involved in, that's how they're going to approach the ministry. Does that make sense? So, um, uh, so, so as we understand that, um, then, then it describes the... Uh, the predominant tendency or or way in which the individual will will approach anything that they undertake for the Lord. Okay, Now, like the supernatural expressions of the Spirit, a a person's, and we referenced this a little bit earlier, a person's motivational gift works through their innate abilities and training, experience, creativity, and so on and so forth. Uh, And because of that, the workings of God through every gift are different in every individual's life. So, those two people with the the same motivational gift, uh, that, that ministry may express itself in very different ways. You know, because he works through you as you. So two people with the same gift may express that gift in in very different ministry contexts. For example, uh, one person may work in the food pantry, and another person's working in the church office. And both of those, for example, both of those need someone with the gift of administration. So it's not, again, it's, it's, it's understanding that that uh, that different ministries are possible, but this is about the motivation behind it so that you understand how you're approaching it, why it is you approach ministry this way, why it is that the person sitting next to you approaches ministry a different way, how they see things. They will they will, they will function, even with the same gifts in different ministries, they'll function in their respective ministries in much the same way. And their their main thrust, for example, with the gift of servant, will be to serve the tangible needs of others, whatever ministry they're in. Therefore, every believer should discover his or her predominant motivational gift and then find a place of ministry in the local body that corresponds to his abilities, training, inclination, personality, and giftings. Okay? So another question. How do motivational gifts function? Well, I said earlier, Jesus had all seven of these motivational gifts operative in his life when he walked this earth. The church... Uh, which is His body on earth, also has all seven of these gifts functioning. We already said that. However, these seven gifts are distributed among the various individuals of the body. Uh, So, we understand that. that Then that means that's how He's able to minister to a wide variety of needs uh, through His his body. Uh, Let me give you another one. One motivational gift predominantly flows through each individual. A person is happy and fulfilled once they are functioning in accordance with their primary gift. It's, it's their essential mode of operation in the body of Christ. Now, now, that is not to say, however, that they don't possess any you know, or many of the characteristics seen in, in the other six motivational gifts. Uh, but there's going to be one that seems to be more predominant than others. In fact, I, I believe this, that as you walk with Christ, as you become more like Christ over a lifetime you will see more and more of the character traits of all seven of the gifts growing in your life because he has all seven of them. So as I become more like him, I'm going to learn, I'm going to be growing in those other areas. However, even through that, there's going to be one area that's going to be more predominant than the others. Now you may have uh, one that's a secondary, that's a secondary motivation, but there's going to be the one that stands out most in your life. Now, and I want to say this, it's got to be remembered as we talk about these primary uh, uh, gifts, the predominant motivational gift in your life, it's got to be rem- remembered that they should not be defined too rigidly. Here's what I mean by that. Um, it's, I've heard this. You Maybe you've heard it where there's a need in a church and, and somebody says uh, makes the need, the need made known to the people in the church and then somebody says... That's not my gift. And see, then what we're doing then is we're using the gift that God has given to us as an excuse to not participate in meeting a need. That's not not what we're talking about here. Because uh, we can't just define it and say, well, this is my gift. I'm only going to do this. Because all believers, every one of us are called upon to function to to some extent in all of the seven areas, regardless of, of our predominant tendency. So, so, you know, say that you, you have the gift of, 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 of uh, prophecy and the motivational gifts. Well, you know what? That doesn't mean that you should never serve. Because all, all of us are called to serve. All of us, all of us are, are, are called to teach. All of us are called to encourage one another, uh, you know, but... Uh, so, so just understanding what our gift is, it, it does not uh, give us an excuse to not serve in, in a situation. Because here's here's what I want you to understand this. You, your long-term ministry is going to be in the, your primary area of gifting. But there will be many times that you will fill in a gap for a shorter period of time in an area that you're not particularly gifted in. And there's something God wants to teach you in that. So. So the reality is that your primary ministry will be in the area of your primary gift, right? That makes sense. But here's what we got to remember. Your secondary area of ministry will be anywhere there's a need. That's what we have to understand. And if we don't get that, then we start making excuses instead of getting involved. Um, Let me add this. All seven gifts mentioned are needed to keep Christ's body in balance. And when all seven gifts are, are functioning within the church, then competition, and we understand the gifts, then competition is eliminated and all the needs are met. And each as each member understands where they fit in the body of Christ and how they're contributing to the growth of the body as a whole. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. So... Uh, Now, as we will see next week, each gift has its strengths as well as its weaknesses. And part of the ongoing renewing and the process of the Holy Spirit growing us and sanctifying us, making us like Christ, part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to work on the weaknesses and and enabling us to be more effective in the area of our gifting. So, understanding our motivational gift, therefore... Uh, it, it can never be used as an excuse for accepting the weakness, because I've heard people say that, well, you know, this is the gift I've got, and so that's just the bad side of it. No, that's not, that's, you can't do that, because you've got to understand, if you know that that's a weakness, then you have to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in you, uh, instead, of, instead of just making an excuse as to why you do that. For example, uh, the person with the, uh, the, the prophet, the gift of prophecy and the motivational gifts, uh, they can they 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 they're truth speakers and they can speak truth and they can and they can seem very harsh and they can become very harsh but but that person can't say well that's just who I am they have to understand okay I need the holy spirit to help temper this with love i have to grow in the weakness and not allow that so so, uh, the Holy Spirit constantly seeks to conform us to the image of Jesus, who, although He possessed all of the gifts, He did not possess any of their accompanying weaknesses. And so, as we focus on the way in which He exercised each of the gifts, then we can begin to discover how to overcome the weaknesses associated with our own particular gifts. Nevertheless, I want you to understand this. The, 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 this is something I feel we need to stress And that is when it comes to our our strengths and our weaknesses, it is the other members of the body that compensate most for the areas of our own weakness. This is the beauty of a body of Christ. An example would be a pastor who is a servant. And because of that, he will be naturally weak in the area of administration. Now, there is no doubt that he can improve He can study, he can read, he can take classes, and he can learn how to to manage and organize an organization more effectively. He can get better. But but here's the, the key. He will never be as good an organizer as the person who has the gift of administration. Therefore, while that pastor seeks to grow in that, He must learn to call on other members of the body who have different areas of of gifting in their lives to compensate in the areas where he's weak. So the pastor who does not have the gift of administration needs to find somebody who does and he can say to them, listen, this is my vision. This is what I want to do. How would you organize it? And we learn to rely on one another's gifts to balance out the areas of weakness that I have, because then it, 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 we see that balance. See, here's the thing. Culture, our culture tells us that, you know, that we should never admit our weaknesses. You know, that's what culture says, and especially if you're a man. Especially if you're a man. God forbid you should ever admit that you need to go to the doctor. You know, we, that's just who we are, right? I mean, yet, yet the Bible says... That because we are members of one another, we should learn to depend on one another. And and this suggests that as we begin to understand ourselves and we we begin to understand each other, then instead instead of working independently, we can learn to work interdependently and thus approach what it means to be the fullness of Christ. Because the fullness of Christ would be all seven gifts functioning without any of the weaknesses. Now, that's not going to happen in me alone. But the fullness of Christ can be seen in the body of Christ when all seven gifts are are functioning, they're working, they're they're functioning uh, properly, and we as one another, as different individuals, are, are compensating for the weakness of another person. And everybody's carrying their load. Everybody's doing their part. And once we come into an understanding of our gifts and the gifts of others, then what happens is we can avoid the situation that happens so many times in local churches. You know what happens? The Marthas are busy preparing the annual spaghetti supper. And they begin to complain about the Marys who seem to only be interested in Bible studies and prayer groups. And additionally, then you got the committee that's, that's there. They're, they're, they're the committee on stopping the flood of pornographic material into the local stores. And they can't understand why so few people attend the meetings where a protest is being organized. And then there's Bill, the men's Bible teacher, for as long as anybody can remember. And he just absolutely delights in giving extensive word studies during his Sunday school class. And he wonders why more men don't share his enthusiasm. And on and on it goes. These sources of disharmony can only be resolved once we understand who we are and who our fellow believers are in their area of ministry in the body of Christ. And we let people function in their area of gift, the area of their gift, without trying to force them to function in the gift that God has given me. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Now... When all seven of the motivational gifts are working and flowing together in harmony, that is when the work of Christ is most completely accomplished. That's when we are the most effective as a body of believers. Now, I want to I give to you a, a little handout. And if I could get a couple of you fellows to help me with this. This is uh, just a simple little illustration. If you listen to this later online, it will be available there for you to download. Now, as they're handing that out, I want you to imagine with me, I want to just kind of paint a scenario, a real life uh, situation to help you understand. And then we'll talk more about these gifts next week. But to understand how these gifts come together in real life. Imagine that one evening I come to, to church after several days of severe rainstorms. Now, I know that's really hard to imagine around here because we never see rain here. Uh, good grief. I'm, I'm going to Google how to build an ark as soon as I get home. Uh, but, uh, but imagine I come here after several days of severe rainstorms and, and I, I meet several members of the church here who have, and, and we walk in and we discover that, that there is water flooding a large section of the floor in the fellowship hall. Just water everywhere. And let's just assume that, that of those people that came there with me, that met me there, that they, they, they represent all seven motivational gifts. And the, the, the illustration there that you have suggests how each one may respond to the, to the crisis. So you walk in and there's water everywhere and the, the prophet looks at everything and he says, God has a message in this if we'll listen. The deacons were aware of the leak for months and should have arranged for necessary repairs before the damage was done. We all need to be more diligent in our responsibilities for the Lord. And this motivation comes with a sense, a word of correction in it. And a word of caution. And a kind of a wake-up call. We all need to be more diligent. Well, the administrator sees the mess and immediately he says, Bob, you get the... the, the, the uh, uh, buckets from the closet and joe the the mops are in the furnace room jim see if you can go get a ladder from the from the shed to see if any le- uh, any leaves are plugging up the drains on the roof so the, the, this motivation gets the bucket brigade, brigade into action and they know where the resources are and they know how to organize it so they get everybody moving then the teacher sees it and he says I recall the same thing happened back in 1997 when Pastor Smith was on vacation. The water was not discovered for 12 hours, and by that time the whole floor was was ruined. It cost over $1,200 to have Johnson Flooring do the repairs. It's a man with a mind for details, remembers all the details of it. Then there's the exhorter or the encourager. And, you know, this is a person that's typically, actually, often very good at teaching, but But he sees the mess and he says there's some good illustrations in spiritual growth that we can all learn from this experience. Every crisis has a silver lining. And you can be sure that on Sunday morning in his Sunday school class or her her Sunday school class that the the story of the floor is going to appear somewhere in that lesson the very next Sunday. Then there's the giver. And he says, or she says, I would like to start a fund drive so that the damage can be fixed as soon as possible. And this motivational gift senses right away that funds are going to be needed for repairs. Then you have the person with the gift of mercy. And the first thing they think is, oh, I know how how upset the women will be when they learn their spring banquet's going to be postponed. And they're filled with empathy as they feel the disappointment that the other people are going to feel. Then you have the server. Their first thing they say is, they says, I can't do much here, but I'll go fix some cof- coffee for you guys. Anything you want to eat, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll, I, I, and they work behind the scenes. And, and God bless our, those faithful servants. The, every church has them and how easily we overlook the many things that they do. And here's what I want you to understand. All of these responses are appropriate. Yet none of them alone completely deals with the issue. When all of them flow together in harmony, however, the crisis is met and and the balanced ministry is achieved. I mean, how important it is that that we recognize and affirm each other's gifts in the body of Christ because we need the insight and the the motivation and the, the approach to ministry that everybody brings with them. Now, I want you to imagine the same situation, flooding in the church. And I want you to imagine how things would have gone if if the individual members, instead of concentrating on the task at hand and responding in accordance with their gifts, instead, what would have happened if they had concentrated on the responses of each other and then had become critical. So just imagine the administrator overhearing the teacher as he says, As the teacher says, I recall the same thing happened back in 1997 when Pastor Smith was on vacation. The water was not discovered for 12 hours. And by that time, and the administrator immediately jumps in and says, who cares what happened in 1997? We have a problem to fix right now. Then you imagine one with the motivation of giving. He overhears the person with the motivation, with a gift of mercy, saying, oh, I know... How upset the women are going to be when they learn the spring banquet is going to be be postponed. And the giver hears that and he says, who cares about the spring banquet? Do you know how much this is going to cost to repair? See, this is really another illustration uh, of the situation Paul described in 1 Corinthians 12. Because in that passage, Paul Seems to be telling us that the believers in Corinth were busy looking at and comparing their gifts with the gifts of other believers. And all that did was that it led to jealousy and condemnation of each other's gifts and not recognizing the value every person had to the body of Christ. This is what he said. He said, the the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable see all of the members of the body are essential for the proper functioning of the body. And once we understand our motivational gifts then those of our fellow and those of our fellow believers, then we can see the beautiful balance of gifts that Christ has placed within his body and then we can begin to flow together in love and, and in co- cooperation to accomplish the work of his kingdom. So here's what we're going to do to close out this time this evening. I'm going to ask you to take, the, the next few minutes before you leave to take this. This is a motivational gifts test. Now I know some of you are saying, wait a minute, didn't you say earlier that gifts tests are just not really that helpful? Well, <laughs> I'm here to tell you the best way to find your ministerial gifts is to get involved in ministry. However, that doesn't mean that, that things like a gifts, te- a gifts test is completely useless um, the, the best way, there's no doubt the best way is to get involved in ministry. But taking a, a test like this, this is a little more useful in that this, that this is uh, talking about your function in the body of Christ. And, and what this will do is hopefully give you some insight and, uh, and a starting point for you to begin to explore ministry. We're going to go th- uh, through the instructions here very briefly with you. Um, this is a this is a, a, simple, a simple little test. And you'll see there, um, the, the, you'll work your way, you'll le- read through the list of 70 questions and you place a check beside the answer that is most appropriate for you. Not how you, not how you think you ought to be. Okay? Uh, you're not answering what you would like to be, but where you really are. Be honest with, with, your, with what you feel about these things. And so you'll you'll ch- check usually true, or sometimes true, uh, or it's seldom true, or it's very rarely ever true. Uh, and so, here's the key. Don't ponder at length over any one question, because the more you think about it, the more you'll talk yourself out of the, 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 the answer that was probably most appropriate. Um, and, but, but as you uh, answer, not as you'd like to be, but as you are at this stage in your life. So, then after you complete the, the, the 70 statements, then you'll see uh, for every usually true, it's worth five points. For every sometimes true, it's, it's worth, well that's small print. Is that three? Um, anyway, you, you can see that, uh, yeah, five uh, sometimes true is three, seldom true is one, and rarely true is zero. So you'll, you'll transfer it. You'll, there's a little chart uh, on, on page five, That you'll see that so you'll see question one, and you'll in the box with this number one, whatever you answer that. So, for example, let's go to that first one. Says, I like to think of ways to help others who are suffering physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The key there is, I like to think of ways that that's what you're doing, that's your motivation uh, to do this. And you can say, Usually true, you can put an X. Or a check mark, and sometimes true, seldom true, or rarely true. If you put it in usually true, then in the box that says it has a number one, uh, after you finish it all, then you would transfer the five, because that's usually true. If it was some, sometimes true, then you would put a three in that box. And so if you need help on the scoring, I can help you with that a little bit later. But I want you just, I want to pray with you real quickly. When you're done, uh, you, can, you can either leave the test here, you know, just put your name on it, leave it here. Or you can take it home with you. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Bring it back with you next week. Because this is going to give you a lot more insight as we begin the teaching on the individual gifts. So that's why I want want you to do this before then. And listen, if you have to go, you can go now. But I encourage you, while this is all fresh, take a few minutes. Because if you're like me, if I take it home, I'll forget until about time to come to church next week. But here, I want to pray with you. And, uh, and then you can begin this. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you give us.